We are in part two of our Learning to Lament series, and I entitled today's message, A Turn Toward Hope. And I want to recap real quick last weekend. I don't know how many of you got a chance to engage with last weekend, whether that was online or that was right here in the room, but we learned that God made a way to move forward, that God made a way to move forward, that we don't need to be stuck in our pain and stuck in our suffering and stuck in our distress, that God made a way for us to move forward. And one of the ways that we move forward is through the spiritual discipline of lament, right? Now, we define lament as a prayer path to process our emotions, a prayer path to process our emotions, once again, involving God in the process. Now, there were four steps to it. If you didn't get a chance to hear those, you might want to go back and, and listen to last week. But full lament walks us really through four phases. The first one is a raw and honest personal revelation to God. That's dumping your heart out to God. you got to get those emotions out. Second piece is realignment with the reality, and that is seeing God in all of it again. And then the third piece is personal contact. That's just sitting in the mess with the Lord and still talking about how crazy it is and, and God, I'm still not seeing you move yet and I'm, you know, all of that. And then the last piece is restoration where the Holy Spirit knits us back together stronger than we started, right? So that's kind of what the process of what we talked about last time and, and I wanna reiterate the importance of emotional restoration. The importance of emotional restoration. Once again, and we've heard it a million times, there are some of us in our personalities that we don't wanna talk about the bad stuff because we don't wanna get into that and that's not our personality. And so we shove it and we stuff it. Now there's some of us who are such feelers, we can't imagine the terror of walking back into it. So either way, we're hiding or we're stuffing or we're doing something, the problem is, it's still there. Just because you want it to go away doesn't mean it goes away. There's a process to get it away, right? I mean, that's the whole point. You see, here's how I see it. God is not content with us being hampered. And listen to this. He has done too much to set us free, to be content with shackles on his child's wrists. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to say that again. God has done too much to set us free, to be content, to have his child have shackles on their wrists emotionally. You see, he didn't die on the cross just so we would be kind of saved. He didn't send his one and only son that we might be mostly free. He made sure that we were fully free. So until we are, he is not content. Amen? Amen. So we got to walk back into it. We got to walk back into it in order to walk fully free. Because if it's still in the dark, then it's festering there. And if it's festering there, then it's getting worse. Would you take a look at the fill in the blank if you're following along on the app, or maybe you just want to write this down, but we need to open up. Why? Here's the fill in the blank. Hidden hurts rarely heal. Hidden hurts rarely heal. You gotta get it out there in order for it to get fixed, right? What is so amazing is that God is so kind that he will say, hey, can we deal with that? And you go, no. And a lot of times he'll just back up. 
and wait for you. Now, you gotta imagine that as a dad who knows how yucky that stuff is, you would think he would be more aggressive in pushing in, but once again, he also knows that we need to own it if we're gonna get rid of it, right? Hidden hurts rarely heal. So I'm gonna walk you through three lament psalms today. We're gonna walk through God's word and see how they kind of process. So it's really important for us to understand the mind of the psalmist. Now the three that we're gonna cover today are primarily David's psalms, right? Uh, King David, giant killer, that guy, right? He did all that, all that uh, amazing stuff. He was known as the apple of God's eye, a man after God's own heart, right? So when we read this stuff, we need to know a little bit about him for context. So David revealed really only two of his major struggles. One had to do with judgment and discipline where he disconnected from God, where he felt like God had pulled away from him because he was out of line. And that was true because that's Old Testament, right? And then he had physical danger. Right? I don't know how many of us, I would say, in this room or online, we don't necessarily have a significant number of us that are in daily physical danger. There are some of us, but not most of us. King David was hunted down. He was a king that wanted, they wanted to assassinate. They had enemies. They had wars. It was a literal physical reality that he may be taken out. So he talks about that a lot, Right? The important part about this is that the struggles that he goes through may be different than ours. Ours may be loss and grief and fear and anxiety and worry and job loss and mental illness and physical pain and relational challenges and disease, right? We may have different stuff than him, but the underlying emotions and processing is very similar. Distress is distress, whether it's physical or emotional, a lot of times your body's going through the same reality, right? You guys know what fight or flight is. That can happen from an emotional reality just as much as a physical reality. So that process still needs to be worked through no matter what your distress is. So as we read King David talking about I got enemies coming after me and everything, you have to put your reality into it. Because here's the rule of interpreting the Bible. There is one intended meaning by the author. But there are multiple ways to apply it to your life. There's one intended meaning by the author. But there are many ways to apply it to our life. His intended meaning when he says, my enemies are coming for my throat, he really means they're coming after to kill me physically. That was not a metaphor. But we can look at that and say, you know what? I feel like today the Bible says that the enemy goes around the land like a lion seeking who he may devour, and he is after me on a consistent basis. I feel harassed, I feel helpless, I feel like the enemy is bullying me, I feel like Satan is all over it, I feel like I'm constantly having spiritual warfare. God, I feel under attack. You understand what I'm saying? Like you can replace those two things and say, listen, he may have had a physical assault, I have a spiritual assault, and I'm seeing the same emotions in the play. So that's how you make the Bible more personal. So we're gonna be reading through this and I want you to insert your 
challenges into that and see how you would process it if you were him. And then we can learn a little bit more together. I want to remind you that we have a resource page on our website, bridgeway.church forward slash lament, bridgeway.church forward slash lament. And on there, there's a bunch of videos that are short devotionals. Right, they're talking about instructions and they're saying, hey, you can write your own lament, you can follow along with this. We are trying to load you full of everything you need to be equipped to be able to move forward, yeah? So make sure you take a look at that. So here's what we're gonna do with these three lament psalms. I'm gonna show you a progression of how a psalmist is engaging with their difficulty by using three different types and then I'll talk about how we could use that progression in our world. So last week when we read one, we read one that was just raw, honest, and ended super negative, right? You guys remember that? It was kind of like, everything's bad, I hate everybody, the end, right? Now those are super rare. Those are super rare. You'll see these as far more common. If you ever wanna take a look at my notes, we end up posting out my notes and and I'll say, hey, we covered this one, but there's a couple more that would really be good for you to look at if that's the type that you need, right? Maybe you wanna pray through those and learn through those. All right, here we go. Turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 13. Psalm 13, verse one. Psalm 13, verse one. If you're brand new to the Bible, all you gotta do is drop the Bible open in the middle and you're probably in Proverbs or Psalms. Psalms right before Proverbs, so you back up a little bit, and then there's like a billion of them. So you zoom around, and they're in the same numerical order, so you zoom back to Psalm 13, and we'll read together. I'm going to call this step one, right? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Step one, if we're going to go out there and we're going to vent, if we're really going to go through a process of healing, this is a beautiful step one after we've kind of barfed our guts out, right? And said, Lord, this is me. I'm mad at everybody. Kill them all, right? All right. This is step one. I call it overwhelmed by circumstance with a hint of hope. Overwhelmed by circumstance with a hint of hope. Maybe this is where some of you are right now in your processing of difficulty. Maybe you are saying, you know what, Pastor, I appreciate you're going to be going on and talking about victory and freedom. I'm not there yet. As a matter of fact, I'm right at the beginning of that journey, and I feel like it is way too big for me. You know what, I can't get past that betrayal. I think about it every day. I can't get past the fact that I got a diagnosis with a disease that they said was terminal, and all I do is think about a loss of dreams, and I'm fearful. I can't get past it, right? That may be you then this might be your kind of psalm, right? Let's read it together. Here's what it says. This one's by David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord 
because he has dealt bountifully with me. Okay, did you guys see the shift? Okay, it starts out, God, I'm in real problems. I'm overwhelmed by my circumstances, but I know who you are. And that gives me a certain amount of hope that comes creeping in. Nothing's happened yet. I haven't got to see any breakthroughs, but I know what you've done in the past. And if you've done it in the past, you're gonna do it again. And by your nature, I'm gonna hang on to that hope. And all of a sudden this door starts to crack open and light starts to pour into the darkness and you start to have a hope rise up in your soul. Now, we legitimately have hope. And and this is something that I'm gonna need for you to process because it's gonna sound real basic, but I need you to get it from your head down into your heart. Because unless your emotions are buying what I'm selling, it don't matter. There's all kinds of stuff that you have on your shelves and your books and stuff in your mind that you think you believe, but your body betrays you. You don't believe it at all, right? We all have that. We need to get it from here down to here. So I'm going to need you to process with me that when I tell you something you already know, I want you to go through a process of say, do I really believe it? Is there evidence that I'm believing it in my life? That's really what we're trying to do, yeah? All right. For a Christian, write this down. For a Christian, hope is absolute. The only question is timing. All right, I'm gonna say that again. For the Christian, and if you are not a Christian today, man, what a great day to come to church. Because I'll tell you this, his arms are open wide and he wants to scoop you in and man, be part of the family. I'm all in with you, let's do this, yeah? All right, that's great. And we're gonna have a prayer team at the end and we're gonna be praying with you and all that. But for a Christian, hope is absolute. The only question is timing. Notice that his lament kept asking one question. What was the question? How long? Because he knows a reality that all Christians need to know. As a matter of fact, we know more than he knows. And it's based on three things. What God did, what God's doing, and what God will do. Your hope is not wishful thinking, it's fact, based upon three realities. What God did, what God is doing, and what God will do. If you truly understand those, hope is an absolute. The only question is timing. So what did God do? The Bible says that God's love was so intense that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for our sins so that his people may be transformed and reconnected with their God. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, it was full and complete. So for those who have given their lives over to the King Jesus and traded their broken lives for his whole one, there is full forgiveness full cleansing, and we are positionally perfect before God. That's reality. What does it mean about our distress? It means this. The most important part of us, our spiritual reality, has been perfected by our Savior, and we are connected to God so that his healing and his purpose can flow into us and through us. It means that anything that hurts us today pales in comparison to the greater healing we've already received so that, write this down, we are dealing with the lesser, not the greater pain. 
We are dealing with the lesser, not the greater pain. Whatever you are going through today, God actually solved your biggest problem, so you're dealing with a lesser problem, whatever it is. You guys remember when the four friends lowered down the paralytic in front of Jesus to get healed? What did Jesus, what was the first line Jesus said to him? Your sins are forgiven. I mean, just picture that for a moment. Hey, that's great. That's not why I came here. Actually, I don't know how paralyzed he was, so not sure how much he pointed. But anyway, the point is this. I came for some physical healing, man. That's the whole reason I got out of bed. Your sins are forgiven. What is this point? Your biggest problem isn't that you can't walk. Your biggest problem is you're not alive spiritually. Oh, I've got the future if you're with me. For a Christian, it's based on what he did. He did everything that made it right that we are positionally perfect before God because of Jesus Christ. All right? Now let's say the second one, what God is doing. Now that we are cleansed and we're connected to God, the Holy Spirit can indwell us and thereby be a constant companion in the mess of our lives as a coach and transformative agent shaping us into the image of Christ Jesus. What does that mean about our distress? It means this. It means we are never alone in our pain. It means that God is always near us, always actively involved. It means that he can do anything at any time. It means that heaven has come to earth for us and we're not merely dealing with the limitations of this existence. We have access to the next concurrently. It means that for the Christian, nothing is wasted, not even our sin, not even our harm. God is the God of redemption and knows how to turn everything around for our good and make us stronger than before. So write this down. What does it mean? It means our suffering has purpose in it. Our suffering has purpose in it. You see, the reason why we have hope, and it's an absolute for the believer, is that Jesus Christ already did something that made our greater problem right. He is currently doing something so that he's importing meaning into our pain. And then what? He's still got more to do, right? For a Christian, hope is absolute. The only question is timing. So let's go to number three, what God will do. Unlike the Old Testament saints, we've read the book of Revelation. We know how the story ends. We know the prophecies of the prophets and how it really worked out in Jesus so that we know that God will shut down the enemy and along with him, God will eliminate pain. God will eliminate disease. He will eliminate sin. He will eliminate death. He will eliminate sorrow and all that hurts our hearts. Everything will be made right. That is a guarantee. How do we know? If you uh, want to read along, make sure that I'm legit. Revelation 21, otherwise just listen to me. Revelation 21, one through five. John said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people 
and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Yeah? You read that? Oh, our future is already secure. He's just mopping it up. What does this mean in our distress? Write this down. All suffering for a believer is temporary. All suffering for a believer is temporary. In fact, right? All suffering for the believer is temporary. The question is never left at why. It shifts to what? How long? He's going to fix it. Is he fixing it today, tomorrow, or in 100 years? Is he fixing it in this life or the next life? Oh, he's going to fix it. The only question is when. Hope is an absolute for the believer. Eventually, your disease will be gone. Your pain will be removed. Your heartache will be replaced with joy. Your enemies will be either defeated or transformed into friends, your loss will be filled, your distress will be soothed, and your sickness will be healed. It's only a matter of time. That's why we lament the way we do. Man, we start off venting, don't we? We start off with a God, right? Stella. <laughs> and then we re-rack and go, hold up, what's real again? Oh. He will fix it. It's only a matter of time. So then our prayer kicks in. God, how about now? 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 That's what happens. That's where lament goes from, I'm all alone, I have no hope, where all of a sudden you shift to step two. You ready for step two? Write this down, step two. I'm still in it, but I'm not a victim. I'm a prayer warrior. Oh, I'm still in it. But I'm not a victim, I'm a prayer warrior. See, there's one last reality I wanna do before we jump into that, and that is our suffering and God's victory are not existing in two different worlds, right? It's like, ooh, earth is really hard, but Narnia is awesome. <laughs> Same worlds, they overlap. They are simultaneous. Now, Mary and Martha really struggled with this. You guys remember, I've, I've highlighted it for you a number of times, their brother, their only brother, Lazarus, dies. And when Jesus hears that he was sick, didn't show up, let him die, and then hung out for a couple more days. So he was dead, dead. Jesus comes walking in, and both the sisters aggressively come to him and said, if you were here, this never would have happened. What was his reality? Oh, yeah. I could have been here, could have stopped it, didn't, because I got bigger things going on that you have no idea about. Oh, I'm sovereign, and just because I'm sovereign doesn't mean everything goes right. I'll make it right, but maybe not today. God's sovereignty and our suffering overlap until the day that we go to be with him, and then everything is purified. Step two, 
I'm still in it, but I'm not a victim. I'm a prayer warrior. Turn with me to Psalm 43. Psalm 43. I had to make sure I grabbed a couple of these that were short, right? I didn't want you to have to read too long with me. So a lot of these are only five verses or six verses long, right? Here we go. Psalm 43, verse 1. See if we can enter into David's world here. Here's what he said. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and the unjust man. Deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light, send out your truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling, and then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God. God, my God, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Boy, that was like an emotional mess. I'm still in it, but I'm not a victim. I'm now rallying and getting a little bit ticked off at the enemy. There are some of you today, you've been picked on too long, it's time to get mad. It's time to get mad at the bullying of the enemy, the bullying of Satan and his demons, and you need to start entering into warfare as a prayer warrior. There are some of you that need to push back. You guys, by the very definition of being children of God, there's something wrong with a rebellious enemy pushing the children of the king around. Y'all following me? At some point, you're gonna get mad. And that's when you lock into prayer stance and start hurling bombs at the enemy, right? That's what this means. So how can we be in it, but shift into a non-victim mentality? Because you'll notice the problems aren't gone. We all think, man, I'm gonna be a better Christian when this is over. You should be a better Christian right now. We're not waiting for it to be over. What if that's a lifelong thing until you see Jesus again? What, are you gonna wait for that? No, we got to handle it right here, right now. Oh, well, one day everything will be made right. I can just let it fester there. No. At some point you're going to get mad and say, I don't need to walk with a limp. I can walk fully and strong. Right? So you rise up. You know who did that? Joseph. In the Old Testament. He's the epitome of being the good guy that everything goes wrong with. Yeah, he was cocky as a kid. That's great. Maybe he should have been humiliated at one point, right? To humble him. But really, he's a good dude. He did everything right. And yet, he was bullied, rejected, sold into slavery by his own family, imprisoned for a rape he didn't commit, and left there to die. That was his life. But you never saw a victim mentality. When he was in jail, he's like, I'm going to be the best prisoner anyone's ever seen. I mean, talk about a resilient dude. He's like, I don't care where I'm at, man. That doesn't rule me. That is not my identity. Yes, I'm in for rape. Everyone thinks that I am a rapist. I know I'm not. My God will defend my reputation. I can do nothing about it. They're not listening to me because they're probably thinking I'm lying. 
But I will not allow that to captivate me. I will not allow that to cage me. Yes, it occurred to me, have I had one hit after another? Yes, my family hates me. Only my dad really cares about me. I have so much dysfunction in my home, all the different moms, all my brothers hate me. I haven't even really got to hang out and see my littlest brother, only hear about this guy. Everything about my life is terrible, but did you ever see that in his behavior and actions? No, because he's not a victim. He's a victor. That's a shift. Every single one of us has pain in process. There's no one walking around unscathed here, right? Because here's what usually happens. You come into church wounded. Finally, God got your attention and you show up. And when you show up, you look around and there's all these stinking, nicely dressed, happy people. So irritating, right? Because you're like, man, my life is in shambles. I'm totally miserable. And then everyone's like, ooh, hallelujah. Right? I thought I was mad before. Now I'm mad. Right? Okay, here's what you don't get. They're in the process of lament. They just shift from being a victim into being a victor. They're all in process. Everyone around you has hurts and pains and challenges. You're not the only one. You're one of us. There's only us. There's not two qualities of human being. There's just one, and we're all in it together. Don't let the enemy isolate you. Oh, man, you're super broken. Everyone else is kind of pretty good. You're pretty lame. That's not true. God created a system whereby we pray, engage God, and utilize his power on earth. That's weird. I don't know why. I'm just telling you that is the plan. So prayer matters because God made it matter. If you are not utilizing prayer as part of your daily Christian reality, I don't know what to tell you. You are walking through life with two hands tied behind your back. If something's broke, pray it. Yeah? We are not helpless. We're empowered to overcome. Remember I talked about lament being one of those tools that you have on your tool belt. Dude, you want your biggest tool? It's called prayer. The fact that you are not operating with it doesn't even make sense to me, if you're not. Because I cannot get up every day and do what I'm called to do and live another day without a constant life of prayer. I simply cannot. I'm broken enough with prayer, I certainly don't need more problems. Does that make sense? Let's go to step three. Write this down, step three. Y'all in with me? I can't tell, you could be asleep behind your mask. Okay, praise God. Step three, write down. It's here, but I've moved on. It's here, but I've moved on. We're gonna read out of Psalm 61, verse one. Psalm 61, verse one, another one by David. I want you to look at the, the posture of his life. Here we go. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. 
Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. That was a little weird that he got into the third person. Help the king. It's me. You know, that kind of stuff. It's a little weird. But once again, it's poetic. What was he doing? The problem is still there. See, this is the funny thing. I want to keep reiterating. The whole point of lament is that you're processing it and it hasn't gone away. Now, if you have something that's already gone away, that's an easier path to walk because it's literally gone. But when you got something that reminds you over and over and over again of your hurt, when you have something that's constantly chipping at you, when you have something that is relationally so broken and you can't shake that relationship, when you got those kind of wounds, man, this is lament. If it's already done and gone, we might be able to dig back in there, get you out of there, but that's going to be way faster. I'm talking about it's still in your face and you're moving on. That's the power of God. The problem is still there. It didn't immediately resolve, but he changed. His approach changed. When it comes to our laments, all of our problems are not solved, but we are better suited to deal with them. And with any distress, there are multiple layers. Write this down. Lament heals the underlying layers so we can deal with the actual problem at hand. Lament deals with the underlying layers so we can deal with the actual problem at hand. For so many of us, we're fighting on symptoms. Lament allows a lot of the symptoms to clear so we can actually deal with the root problem. Right? Remember I told you that one of the, one of the main reasons why we struggle in worship is that some of us have had a wound from God and we don't trust him. And it's hard to sing praises to his name when we don't feel like he's a good guy. We know we should, so we try. That's not very easy. Your biggest root problem is that breakage of relationship and trust. So you can play all the other games and chase symptoms all day long. Man, I gotta go to another church where I can really get into worship. Oh, I need someone else that can lead me there. Oh, I need this, I need this, I need this. You're chasing symptoms. Those aren't the problem. You don't trust God and you're mad. That's the problem. Lament gets all that other garbage out of the way and says, all right, how do we go there? Hmm. Powerful. I want to talk about what moving on really means, right? Because I was talking about, no, 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 it's here, but I've moved on. Let me talk about what moving on means. Moving on does not mean that it doesn't hurt or impact us. That's not moving on. It means that it no longer rules our lives. For some of us, our suffering is the most important thing about us. It's what we wake up and go to sleep thinking about. Every time we communicate, it pops out in conversation. Listen to me very carefully. 
our identity cannot be founded on anything but the reality of Christ and being God's child. Moving on is lifting our eyes and looking beyond our distress and living in light of God rather than circumstance. That's moving on. God made a way to move forward, yeah? We just gotta engage that process. Utilizing prayer, shifting things, getting God in the picture. Not just complaining, moving. The answer will always be freedom is real and possible. The answer will always be connecting to Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit do his thing. Now next week when we get together, Pastor Matt's gonna be on this stage. And here's what he's gonna talk about. He's gonna talk about how to get unstuck. Man, if you're in this process and you're like, man, sweet, got step one, can't get to step two, he's gonna talk about the fact that we feel like we're on a never-ending cycle of the same thing over and over and over again. It's like that Groundhog Day movie. It's freaking us out. We can't seem to shake it. I thought I was done with that problem. I thought I was done with that problem. I thought I was done with that problem. I thought I was done with that temptation. I thought I was done with that weakness. I thought I was done with that sickness. And everything keeps popping up again like a -a whack-a-mole. Right? You hit one, another stupid gopher shows up. Technically, it would be a mole. They don't look like moles. I'm just pointing that out. I mean, it's not a big thing for me, but they should have called it whack-a-gopher or whack-a-prairie dog. Because they don't look at all like moles. Write this down. (laughs) Pastor Matt's also going to address what does it mean when we process stuff as a community? What does it look like when we try to move forward and not just me? Yeah? All right. Holy Spirit, would you begin to wash over us afresh? Be here at the altar as our prayer team begins to pray deep reality. God, I pray that you would empower and anoint the prayers of your saints, that Lord, when we walk out of here, we got prayers, we're going to be lobbing up, that God, we're going to try to shift from that victim mentality into something that is a victor. We pray, God, that you would lead us in 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 that chase of you, that you would lead us in the strength that we need. I pray, God, that we would begin to get all that garbage out from deep inside, that the stuff that's hanging on to us would be cut off right here, right now. Lord, would you set us free? Under the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray, amen.